been studying about the tabernacle for many, many weeks. And uh, this session tonight will be uh, just a little bit different. The Lord has given Moses the instructions for the tabernacle. And we're going to uh, study verses 1 through 11 tonight in this. It's kind of broken down in two different parts in this chapter. Um, in this passage that we're studying tonight, God calls certain people to do certain things to build the tabernacle. Now, all these weeks we studied on it, it was just God giving instructions concerning how the tabernacle was to be made and what it was to be made out of and the significance of every uh, little piece that's in it. But tonight we see the call of God in man's life. And I know that many times when we talk about uh, God calling people to do something, the, the major thing that we as Baptists, I'll just conceal it, confine it to Baptists, I don't know about the others, but most Baptists, when they hear somebody say, well, God has called me, they get the idea, well, you're going to be preaching. God calls people to do other things. And uh, we need to learn that. Just as God had people in place here, and He's choosing people to build the tabernacle. Not just to plant it, but to build it. And uh, we're going to see this in this passage tonight and some very interesting things that I had never really thought of when I started studying this passage. But let's just uh, read verses 1 through 11 and we'll go back and talk about them. The Lord spake unto Moses saying, See, I have called by name Bezalel, the son of Uri, the son of Hur, of the tribe of Judah. And I have filled him with the Spirit of God in wisdom and in understanding and in knowledge and in all manner of workmanship to devise cunning works, to work in gold and silver and in brass in cutting of stones, to set them and in carving of timber to work in all manner of workmanship. And I, behold, I have given him Aholiab, the son of Ahishamach of the tribe of Dan, and in the hearts of all that are wise-hearted, I have put wisdom that they may make all that I have commanded thee. The tabernacle of the congregation, the ark of the testimony, the mercy seat that is thereupon, and all the furniture of the tabernacle, and the table of his furniture, and the pure candlestick with all his furniture, and the altar of incense, and the altar of burnt offering with all of its furniture, and the laver in his foot, and the clothes clothes of service and the holy garments for Aaron the priest and the garments of his sons to minister in the priest's office and the anointing oil and sweet incense for the holy place according to all that I have commanded thee shall they do. Moses is still upon the mountain communing with God. God has spent a lot of time sharing with him concerning how to build this a tabernacle. And I imagine that the thoughts come through Moses' mind. I don't know how to build all these things. 
How are we going to get it done? And many times when God starts a work in, in a town or a country or in, just in people's hearts, most of the time it's far bigger than what we can handle. And we think, I can't do that. I remember when I was director of missions up in Claiborne County, and I probably told you this before, uh, driving by a mobile home park at least twice a day, I lived about a half a mile from him. And one day going by there, and God just spoke to me and said, I want you to start a church in there. Well, that just about blew my mind. <laughs> I told my wife about it. She said, we ain't got the money to do that. Where are we going to get it? I said, I don't know, but the Lord can do it. And to make a long story short, God used us there to, to plant a little church in that mobile home park, and it's still going. It's, uh, that was in 2005, and uh, it's still there, still leading people to Jesus and all like that. But it amazed me when I began to share that with people of how many people volunteered to go and work there. And others volunteered to give money and all those kind of things. I had one pastor tell me, he said, you know, God laid that on my heart years ago and I never did do anything about it. But uh, it, it was amazing to me. But let's get back to this tonight. God had just finished giving Moses the, the blueprint or the pattern for the tabernacle. <clears throat> But there were some things that was missing. Who's going to supervise this? Who's going to do the work? How am I going to get it done? It's taken us weeks to just study out the materials and the things that had to be made. It took God 40 days to tell Moses all of this. But God had a man that he had appointed. Look at verse 2. God says, See, I have called by name Bezaleel, the son of Uri. God had this man already prepared. I remind you, they had come out of slavery in Egypt. This man had never known freedom until they came out of there. He had lived all of his life as a slave. Evidently, he had been a slave in many different trades. Because when you begin to look at what all he has wisdom and understanding in, how he knew how to cut stone and how he knew how to lay it and all those kind of things, you see, God was preparing him. And I think many times when we go down through our lives that we don't realize how God is preparing us. And he may prepare us through some circumstances that we don't expect. Some things that come up. And as I was studying this this afternoon, I, I just began to think back through my life that I shared with you. My dad owned a little grocery store in one end of our house. And I 
enjoyed playing in there as a kid and uh, watching him fill out the receipts and all those kind of things. And that's what I enjoyed doing. And I always wanted to work in the grocery store. And the first two jobs I had was the grocery store. Left the grocery store and went into the automotive parts business. Drove a milk truck for a little while, delivering milk house to house. And every one of those jobs required me to meet people. And I'm not the best person to meet people because I'm an introvert and it's just hard for me, but God put me in places where I had to meet people. I even look back at driving that milk truck, how God used that. I remember one church that I pastored, uh, I drove the bus, went and picked up kids. I'd learned how to drive a big piece of equipment by driving that truck. <laughs> but I didn't know God was going to use me that way, but uh, He did. And I, I could just go on and on, and, and as I think back, how God was preparing me for what I do today. And He's been preparing this man. Um, it's interesting when we study about this. God appointed this man or called him. And look what it says. I have called by name. You know what that means? God not only knew his name, he knows your name. He knows my name. It's an individual thing. The call of God upon your life. And I, th I think every born again child of God has a call upon their life from God in some way. They may never take it seriously. They may never discover what God is wanting to do in their life. But it's amazing how God uses this. Uh, this Bezaliel, I may not be pronouncing that correctly, he was to be the superintendent of this construction. You know what his name means? It means under the shadow of God. Now think about it. I don't know how old he was. But all of his life he had been there in Egypt as a slave. But he was under the shadow of God. Under God's protecting hand and God's guidance. It's a graphic depiction of God protecting and guiding him throughout his entire life there in Egypt. Protecting him from serious harm. Guiding him and preparing him. Making sure that he learned some skills that were necessary to serve God in the future. The skills necessary to build the tabernacle of God. And this tabernacle of God had not entered into man's ideas. It was from God. God placed that idea gave it to Moses but yet he had been preparing this man we don't know how old he was but God actually chose him and appointed him to serve as the superintendent of building that tabernacle it wasn't Moses' choice it was God's choice 
God called him by name. He knew him personally. He knew his name. Now, does God still call people to serve him today? He surely does. He hasn't stopped. He's still doing that. And he always calls that person by name. He doesn't make a mistake. When he speaks to our hearts, he knows what he's doing. And he's preparing us. This was a personal call to Bezaliel. And this, as God calls us, it's always framed by God's love for his people. His love for his creation. His love for a lost and dying world. You see, God uses us to reach other people. He uses us as his hands and his feet here in the world. He uses us many times as his voice to speak for him. God used this man, Bezaliel. He's given him a huge job. A job that was laid out by God before the foundation of the world. The call of God goes right to the heart of a person, setting them apart to serve God's dear people. Don't be afraid of the call of God on your life. When you really give in to it, it'll be the most blessed part of your life when you find what God wants you to do. People are always asking, you know, well, what does God want me to do? I remember asking that. I'd go to church each Sunday morning at 7 o'clock, me and a friend of mine, I'd kneel on one side of the altar and he'd kneel on the other. And my prayer every Sunday morning was, God, show me what you want me to do. And every time I'd say that to God, God would speak to my heart and say, I want you to preach the gospel. I'd get up and shake my head and walk away. It came down to where God was dealing with me in such a manner that my wife even asked me one day, said, is God calling you to preach? And I said, no. Lied about it, you know. (laughs) But I've never forgotten the relief when I finally admitted what God was calling me to do. Not just a relief, but a a pleasure that came inside of me in knowing that I was doing what God wanted me to do. I didn't know how. I didn't really know where to start. But God did. Listen to some scripture concerning this in Psalms 139, verses 1 through 5. David said, O Lord, Thou hast searched me and known me. Thou knowest my down-sitting and mine uprising. Thou understandest my thought afar off. Thou compassest my path and my lying down, and are acquainted with all my ways. For there is not a word in my tongue, but lo, O Lord, Thou knowest it altogether. Thou hast beset me behind and before, 
and lay thine hand upon me. David realized the call of God on his life. Jeremiah realized it. Jeremiah says this, Then the word of the Lord came unto me, saying, Before I formed thee in the belly, I knew thee. And before thou camest forth out of the womb, I sanctified thee, and I ordained thee a prophet unto the nations. Listen to what Jesus has to say about it in John 15. You have not chosen me, but I have chosen you, and ordained you that you should go and bring forth fruit, and that your fruit should remain, that whosoever, whatsoever you shall ask of the Father in my name, he may give it you. Now, Bezaliel had a godly heritage. His father's name was Uri, U-R-I. And you know what Uri means? Light. His father's name was Light. The word light refers to the positive facts, the light of knowledge, understanding, wisdom, sight, or the light of God. They were descendants of Abraham. His family knew about the great promises of God, the promise of the promised land, the promise of the promised seed, the Savior and the Messiah of the world. Uri was probably given his name because of the hope for the light and promises of God. His grandfather's name was Her. H-U-R. Which means free. I'm not sure, but I think Her might have been uh, a brother to Moses and Aaron. I'm not sure about that. But uh, her means free. I suppose his heart had always longed to be free, but he'd been a slave all of his life. It refers to the hope of being freed from the Egyptian slavery, being freed to journey to the promised land of God. And what tribe was he out of? The tribe of Judah. You know what Judah means? Praise. Judah was the tribe that always marched out first when they started traveling somewhere. That ought to tell us something about praising God. You need to put that first. Praise. Judah led the way when the tabernacle was moved from campsite to campsite. Now, a godly heritage is something that is wonderful, and I don't think it can be overstressed. Children and adults alike need godly parents. Godly parents, godly grandparents. We all need a godly heritage. I know that's not true of everyone. And we'll talk about a fellow here just in a minute that didn't have that kind of heritage. But if we have children, we need to be godly parents. It's such a wonderful responsibility. Such a, a huge responsibility in our world today to be godly people. 
Psalm 61, 5 says, For thou, O God, hast heard my vows. Thou hast given me the heritage of those that fear thy name. David wrote that. He looked back on his heritage. It was people that feared the name of God. Paul said this about Timothy and Timothy's parents. When I call to remembrance the unfeigned faith that is in thee, which dwelt first in thy grandmother Lois and thy mother Eunice, and I am persuaded that in thee also. Paul saw something in Timothy. He saw something in his mother and in his grandmother, that they were godly people, that they walked with God. Now, let's, let's look at the skills that God gave Bezaliel here. First of all, in verse 3, I have filled him with the Spirit of God. I have filled him with the Spirit of God. Who is the filling of the Holy Spirit available to? Everybody that accepts Jesus. As a matter of fact, it's a commandment for us to be filled with the Holy Spirit. But many times we forget that. We try to serve God in our own power. And we falter and we fail. But God's Spirit fills us. And I might say thrills us also. He was filled with God's Spirit. He was given special skills and ability given special knowledge of many kinds of crafts. Notice in verses 4 and 5, he was equipped to design and work in metals. Gold, silver, bronze. Not just anybody can do those kind of jobs. He was equipped to design and work in cutting and setting stones. I imagine somewhere in his life he'd done this kind of work as a slave. But he got good at it. He was to design and work in cutting and setting of stones, to design and work in woodwork, and in many other crafts. Even right down to formulating the formulas for the anointing oil and those kind of things. Right down to making the priest's garments. God had blessed this man with many skills. But you see, I, I've learned something. God doesn't call the equipped. He equips the called. I knew a man that God called him to preach that he could not read his name. His wife would get up and read the scripture, stand beside him. But he was a preacher, I'm telling you. God used him. It amazed people how God would use that man. 
I heard a man preach one Sunday that his wife carried him up on the platform. He was so deformed. He'd never walked. His body was just all withered up. He had the head of a, a grown man. And his wife would carry him around like he'd carry a child. But he was a powerful preacher. God didn't call him for his looks, that's for sure. But God used him. You see, when God calls a person, He equips that person. Now, He may use schools and those kind of things to help equip us better. But remember, back in those days, there was no seminaries. There were no uh, universities and those kind of things. But God still equipped His man to do what he wanted him to do. The person is not left to himself that God calls. Not left to do the work of God on his own. But God fills him with the Holy Spirit. Giving that person whatever skills and abilities they need to do the work that God has called them to do. I remember the first mission trip I went on. We went to Webster, South Dakota. Eight of us out of Island Creek Baptist Church. We went out there to help build a church building. The only carpenter tool that I had was a hammer. I stopped at a lumber yard and told them where I was going and they gave me a nail apron. So I took that hammer and that nail apron and the first morning on the job Cecil Presley told me says uh, you see those braces on the walls they had the, the walls up he said go over and knock those braces down and get the nails out of them and says we'll use those two befores I said I can do that I went over and took one swing at that with my hammer and I broke the handle out of it <laughs> I didn't know how to drive a nail really but you know I didn't know it but three years later God would send me to Michigan to start a church and we had to build a building after we got a group of people together and I learned how to use a hammer I learned how to do a lot of things when we were building that church but God knew what He was doing. When He put us out there, we worked long and hard and it was hot, but God blessed. And God put a desire in my heart to do mission work for the Lord. And, you know, I didn't know that's what He was doing, but He did. Just few years later, I was the recipient of it, you see. But Bezalel has all this. Now notice who his assistant is to be. A man by the name of Aholiab. And his, main, his name either meant 
the tent of the Father, or the Father is my tent. I don't know which one it means. But the writer here says that it has a suggestion that God has been covering, protecting, and looking after a holy ab, just as he had Bezaliel. God had been preparing him for future service. Now, what tribe is he out of? The tribe of Dan. Dan is not really well spoken of in the Scripture. Uh, when you read about Dan, they were, they were given a portion of land over along the Mediterranean Sea, but they couldn't get rid of the Philistines over there. So they decided that they would move, that they could find a better place. And they head north, a group of them. And they stop at a man's house who has a priest there. They steal his idol gods and they take his priest. They tell that priest, said, would you rather be a priest to this one man or to a whole tribe? Well, I guess they offered him more money. And he took it. And they went on up into the upper part of the country of Israel, right up against the Lebanon and Syria borders. And they took a little city up there. I believe the name of it was Laish. They killed all the people. They were a, a rough, tough bunch. Rough, uh, the writer here calls them rough, rude, and warlike people. So this Aholiab, that's his heritage. And the writer here says that some generations later, Hiram, the chief craftsman for the ornamental work in Solomon's temple, was also from the tribe of Dan. So a godly heritage is good and something to be desired. But some people are raised outside of a godly heritage. Does that mean God can't use them? No. God still uses people like that. One of the most powerful preachers I've heard in recent years was a man who was sentenced to life And was over in Petros at Brushy Mountain Prison. You've probably heard a bit of his testimony on TV sometimes when they show Brushy Mountain Prison. There's a voice that comes in and said, I thought I would die there. He was sentenced to life in prison. But that old boy got saved. I, I was preaching at a... Uh, homecoming up in New Tazewell, the church that Francis and I attended. They asked me to come back and preach their homecoming service. And he was there that day. I didn't know who he was. A group of singers were up singing, and in between every song, he'd jump up and preach a little bit. And I mean, it was real. He, wasn't, he was no put on about it. And when I got up to preach, I looked at him and I said, Brother, 
I don't know who you are, but I wish you'd follow me around. You've got these people pumped up. <laughs> and God just come down in that service that day. And several people came to the altar. But I later found out that he was, he was an ex-con. You know, he, he'd been in prison for life. But God saved him, called him to preach, and set him free. His name is Robert Gibson. I remember his name. But uh, powerful for God. But oh, holy Adam, he didn't have that godly inheritance like some of them had. But God still had equipped him for his work. He equipped him to be the helper, the assistant to the superintendent in building the tabernacle of God. The very place where God dwells. The other craftsmen were also equipped by God, given the skill to make everything, verses 6 through 11. They were appointed to work under the supervision of Bezaliel and Oholiab. The building of the tabernacle was to be Israel's most important construction project. Therefore, it would take men, workmen who were willing to follow the leadership of Bezaliel and Oholiab. They came together and listened to all the pieces of furniture that had to be built. Not just the tabernacle, but the furniture that went in it. The Ark of the Covenant, the mercy seat, the table and its utensils, the other furnishings, the gold lampstand, the altar of incense, the altar of burnt offering and its utensils, the basin and stand, the beautifully stitched holy garments for the priests, and the anointing oil and the special incense. That didn't happen overnight. That took a long time for all of that to be put together and prepared and made to where it could be moved. Every piece in there had to be moved every time they went a little farther in their journey. And there was a purpose and warning of God in verse 11. He says, in the anointing oil and sweet incense for the holy place, according to all that I have commanded thee, shall they do. Every bit of this, God had given instructions about how to do it. Is it important for us to follow the way God says for things to be done? It sure is. God's way is always right. Many times we falter around trying to find it. But God gives a clear warning there. It's to be done as He said. Now, in our day today, we so often take the things the Bible teaches, take it for granted. We might say, oh, well, that was back then. It don't mean anything today. Well, let's just mention a few things and see what the Bible has to say about it. Let's talk about forgiveness for a minute. Does God really want me to forgive someone who has hurt me? 
someone who's caused me pain and suffering. Does God really expect me to forgive them? Well, listen to his words. Jesus said this in Matthew 11. When you stand praying, forgive. When you stand praying, forgive. If you have ought against any, why? That your Father also which is in heaven may forgive you your trespasses. But if you do not forgive, neither will your Father which is in heaven forgive your trespasses. So is it important for us to forgive people when they've done us wrong? It's mandatory, really. It's not really an option if you're going to live the Christian life. We bump into people sometimes that say, well, there's many ways to get to God. Dennis and I have run into something like that, haven't we? What's God's word say about it? Jesus said unto him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. Jesus is the only way. Any other way, just you're going to wind up in a different place. Does God really want me to deny myself my rights, my own ideas, and personal agenda? Well, again, what does the Bible say? Matthew six thirty three. But seek ye first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. Luke nine twenty three through twenty five. He said unto them all, If any man will come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross daily, and follow me. For whosoever will save his life shall lose it. But whosoever will lose his life for my sake, the same shall save it. For what is a man advantaged if he gain the whole world and lose himself, or be cast away? Let's talk about money for a minute. When I'm so far in debt, does God really expect me to tithe? Again, the scripture says, Bring you all the tithes into the storehouse, that there may be meat in mine house, and prove me now herewith, saith the Lord of hosts. If I will not open you the windows of heaven and pour you out a blessing, that there shall not be room enough to receive it. God will bless you if you'll do what he says in money matters. He's promised it. Does God really mean what He says? Are His commandments, His Word, really that important? Revelation 22, 18 through 19. And I believe these are the words of Jesus. For I testify unto every man that heareth the words of the prophecy of this book. If any man shall add unto these things, God shall add unto him the plagues that are written in this book. If any man shall take away from the words of the book of this prophecy, God shall take away his part out of the book of life and out of the holy city and from the things which are written in this book. God values his book, doesn't he? Not only does he value it, he expects us to abide by it.
Anyone with a question or comment? Uh-huh. I'd say if they're denying the Word of God, they may need to get saved. <laughs> yeah. But uh, the rest of this chapter has to deal with the Sabbath day. That'll be an interesting study as we dive into that. We appreciate you coming tonight and being here and being a part of this service. And we want to uh, take the next few minutes in our prayer groups. So let me just say the benediction and then we'll let you get into your prayer groups. Father, thank you so much for the privilege just to gather here tonight and to be with your people. But most of all, Lord, just to feel your presence here. Thank you for meeting with us. Thank you that you're so faithful. Thank you, Lord, that you didn't leave us to do your work alone. But, Lord, you've given us the Holy Spirit to fill us and to use us. And, Lord, to magnify those gifts that you have placed in us. Father, we never know what's something that we think is so minute and unimportant. But God, how you may use it to bring glory and honor and praise to your name. How that you may use the skills that we have developed in this life to bring glory to you and to help others to come to know you. So I just want to tell you, Lord, we're here tonight. And we want to be used by you. We want to be your hands and your feet. We want to be your mouthpiece, Lord. And we just pray that you'll use each of us as you would see fit. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Okay, just uh, gather with your group there and... Pray over whatever concern you have, and then when you're finished, you're free to go.